Welcome to another episode of Build Better Brands. I'm your host, Danielle Clark, and today I'm joined by Colin Moby. Um, normally, it's really easy for me to introduce guests and, and say uh, what they do, but with Colin, it's it's a little bit tricky. Um, he doesn't really like job titles. Um, and I actually said to him, how, how shall I introduce you, Colin? Um, so I'm just going to let him introduce himself because I think it's a bit easier that way so Colin welcome to the show that's the first time somebody's thrown that back at me I gotta be I might have to change that if you're gonna throw it back and make me do the work um yeah I'm Colin Moby um so I work with teams I guess it's, it's helping teams move beyond what's hard through the struggle whatever it is they're facing and actually enjoy work a bit more you know that kind of point where you get to I thought work I, I thought you know, in my head, when I was 18, I was going to enjoy work. And actually, I don't. What's going on there? And whether that's on an individual basis, but more often as a team, as a unit, helping teams find their mojo, helping them, you know, be more productive, improve the bottom line, all that kind of good stuff. But that's all symptoms. I like to get to the root cause of what's going on, which is, you know, why aren't you enjoying work anymore? So, yeah, team, teamship consultant, teamship development kind of person. But, yeah. Like you say, let's coach, let's job title. trainer, trainer, guide, trainer, guide, challenger, <laughs> ally, coach, mentor. Um, one of the brilliance. I think we all tend to get a bit boxed in by job titles and job yeah. definitions and role profiles. And certainly, having spent twenty years in the corporate world, you can kind of get a bit restricted by that. But looking beyond the job title, looking beyond the the role description, not ignoring it, but looking beyond it. Yeah, the spirit that's there. Mm. No, I totally agree, and. Um... I was uh, lecturing yesterday and we had some um, alumni come in and talk, talk about what they're doing um, because we're, we're getting the, the second years to start thinking about where they're going in terms of what job they want to do and what they actually want to do when they finish uni. And um, quite a few of them have had to put proposals together. And I've said, have you actually looked at this this job, like the title, the description, what it actually involves? And and often people have a perception of what it is, but don't really know the details. And, and I was guilty of that when I left uni. Um, job titles don't really say a lot about what a job actually involves. Um, and sometimes it can be, sometimes you can end up finding out when it's, oh, I don't want to say too late, but a little bit too late. No, I think you know, that there's probably a whole conversation around the education system but generally speaking there are exceptions to this but generally speaking we're conditioned to focus on one one target one job title one profession my daughter went she's nearly 17 now but she went to a careers fair a couple of years ago and was told that she would have nearly a dozen careers not jobs careers across her life lifespan because of the way the world's going and being able to be wow. a a nurse one week, a child surveyor the next week, and just the different types of disciplines. And kind of the world's cottoning onto that. But the education system's still a bit kind of, what job do you want? What do you want to yeah. be when you grow up kind of thing? As opposed to what kind of things do you want to do? What kind of experiences do you want to have? What kind of difference do you want to make? My daughter, you know, she likes solving problems and, you know, human problems. And at the moment, that's a focus in law. But actually... She could do that in politics. She could do that in marketing. She could do that in all sorts of things in different ways. So as long as she's solving problems for people, she'll be happy. But yeah. the job that fits that will change over time. I know it will. Um, no longer do we have to kind of follow this 
narrow, even bouncing within it. You know, you're, you're, an, you're an analyst programmer, you're an architect, you're a designer. Even within those boundaries, you're still, you know, particularly in software, for example, within a, a, a corridor. But actually, they're going to get in different builds. They're going to do all sorts of things. And is she excited about an earlier stage? It is exciting. I mean, it's yeah. scary for people like me, middle aged in our ways kind of thing. But it's also exciting. And, you know, it's the way the world is. The opportunities yeah. have got to be there to, to, to connect with people. Mm. So how did how did you get into helping teams enjoy what they do, helping teams kind of, you know, work well together and, and enjoy work again? So how I got into it ultimately was because I wasn't clever enough to be a, a long-term programmer. So I've always been in IT. I did a geography degree at uni. So obviously I'd go into an <laughs> IT career, if that makes sense. It makes sense now, but it didn't make sense back there. But I kind of enjoyed it and I was kind of looking for a job that I enjoyed. Who knew that that would stick with me all the way through um, to, to, to middle age? But um, I kind of then did IT. But I quickly realised, you know what? I'm not clever enough. I like solving. I like working out where the problem is, where the solution needs to go. And then from a technical perspective, it's like, now I want to go find another problem. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not that bothered about solving the problem. I want to go find another problem. And most of that was because I wasn't back pre-internet particularly clever enough to remember all the coding stuff to fix this and all that and be bothered to look it up in books um so I kind of got into the people stuff and it turned out I quite like the people side of things I'm actually I quite enjoy it and people say I'm quite good at it so kind of I stayed in the tech industry and media industries and energy industry but kind of started to move more towards the people stuff <clears throat> excuse me and then the last so it's a few years ago now, but the last few years of that corporate career, the people stuff started to disappear as it became more political, more about playing games, more about doing big stuff that wouldn't make mm. any difference. But you had to kind of toe the line, all that kind of stuff. And I resisted a lot of that. But over a period of time, it starts to take its toll. And mm. uh, I talk about you know my journey, but a key part of my journey was the was the lay by in my journey. So there is an actual lay by just off the M1 um, near where I live that I would pull into pretty much every night on my way home, particularly the nights I was coming back from the airport because I spent a lot of time abroad and I would have to stop in this lay-by because I was physically shaking that much. The stress of the last few days or whatever was, that was when it was manifesting. And then I, I'd got used to the habit was I pull over, take a few breaths, get back in control, talk, talk myself down, saying it's just stress. This is what everybody goes through, you know, 40 years old, high pressure job. This is just, this is just what life is. Calm down and drive home. But it was getting steadily worse. And, and several things happened in that lay-by. Kind of made certain decisions about shifting my lifestyle. I, I decided to download a yoga app in that lay-by. And that was the day that my journey to a healthier body started and all sorts of things. But that lay-by was where I started to see things. I wasn't giving myself the space to see. And eventually right. decided to leave that corporate world and that bit of the job that I had, like the people stuff that dwindled to nothing, maybe I could take that bit of the job and, and make that everything I do. Yeah. And there wasn't really anything out there that fitted. So luckily I'm an amazing wife who was really supportive and kids who I'll say were supportive, but, you know, they were teenagers. <laughs> like yeah, whatever. Um, they were supportive in their own way um, and decided to give it a go. And that was sort of three and a half years ago. Um, and have kind of not looked back in terms of I can choose who I work with. I can choose the way 
I work, I can choose not just who I work with from a client perspective, but from a business partnering, all that kind of stuff and put the people at the heart of it. Um, so yeah, kind of, That's I've always, amazing. I've worked with people primarily for the last 20 odd years, but that shift from sort of having to fight to work with people in a corporate environment, it's only been the last three years where I've kind of removed myself and gone, I don't want to fight for what I know is right anymore. It's too hard. Mm. Thank God for that lay-by. Yeah, I still, I'm still <laughs> driving past it now and sort of have a smile. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it must have been really tough, though, like, to, especially for you to think that that was normal, that that level of stress to the point where you were physically shaking and you knew you were going to have to stop and kind of it's... calm yourself down and feel better, mm. to think that that was was fine as well. It's the stories we tell ourselves, isn't it? It's kind of, you know, I can look back at when I was younger and go, I know I was adamant. I was never going to be that person in the suit that was away from home all the time and, you know, working 78 hour weeks and not enjoying it. I'll never be that person. And then all of a sudden you look around and go, how did I get here? Yeah. And then you kind of convince yourself, well, it's just for now. It's just while we do this, this project, this initiative, this, this job, this boss, there's always a reason for it. And actually eventually you realise, well, the reason for it is me. I'm choosing to stay in this place. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's easy to get out of. But once you start to realise you you do actually have some choices, some control over this, um, you can start. You know, I didn't leave work for a long time after that. I started things like, yeah, I started to take care of my health. I started to ease back on some of the hours. That created different challenges, et cetera. So for me it's about creating that space where you can see something's not working that's mm. where you've got to start that yeah. self-awareness is really important but the body normally knows before the spirit <laughs> does um, i was gonna say that especially when you touched on health um all the signs are always there aren't there yeah you know you, you hear people talking about i mean it, they really were there for you you know physically shaking feeling feeling unwell people talk about it you know headaches and not being able to sleep and your body your body does tell you um it's fascinating how is, yeah how's that journey been for you then when you actually started looking after you yourself a bit more so I never did anything particularly physical I, I never had anything that I enjoyed I played squash I'd go for the run I, I did enjoy mountain biking I still do but I was never fit enough to really enjoy it and just slowly over time, I was like, oh, it's just hard work, and it keeps mm. it's just hard work. Um, I was never sporty, I'm not competitive, so team sports never bothered me. Um, and then I started, I just tried yoga, and suddenly I thought, I quite like this. Mm. I quite like low impact, it's stretchy, I can feel, I like the challenge of it, and I can feel myself getting stronger and fitter. And that was the start of things. And from there, you know, started something a bit more um, intensive with things like Pilates, that shifted to, oh, I'll try some weights. I've never, I've gone to the gym, but I didn't like the gym. Try some, oh, I quite like mm. lifting weights. It's, it's yeah. interesting. Hit, Tabata, and it built into this kind of iterative, small but often, and just building on top of that kind of interest in my health and interest in getting stronger. Um, you know, four years ago, I was nearly three stone heavier than I am now. And I've never been as fit as I am now. Not even when I was 18, 19, I've never been as fit and as strong as I am now. Sometimes I feel my age and my knees and stuff. <laughs> but it's by just finding something I enjoy and not making it hard work. That was the problem for me. And I, you know, if you'd have told me I'd have enjoyed burpees, I'd have enjoyed dumbbell <laughs> thrusters, 
um, you know, five years ago, I'd have gone, get, get off here, get, get going. But actually, yeah, I don't like burpees. Well, I don't like, London, you know, we all, you know, every time a lunge junction comes up in a routine, it's like, nope, not doing that. I'll do a burpee. But I don't know people who don't like burpees. It's finding the thing, maybe do mm. the odd thing. I don't particularly like running, but I go once a month or so just to build up a bit of stamina in that way. Mm. Um, listen to a pod as an excuse to listen to a podcast or whatever. So I do one run every now and then, but I won't overdo it because I know I'll get fed up with that type of exercise. Yeah. But that, you know, I never slept well. I never ate well. I was always exactly as you said, always having headaches, the, the physical manifestations, etc. I have the occasional rough night, but not, not. I mean, once every three months, something like that. Other than that, yeah. I sleep a good solid seven, eight hours a, a night. I eat. You know, we, we stopped eating meat. I don't drink anymore. It's been three years since I drank alcohol. All three choices. And I've never felt better. Yeah. It's not about making, you know, sacrificing stuff to feel healthy. It's actually, I feel better. I feel happier as a result of those things. Mm, and it's that nice. kind of, until you can figure out why you're doing it, um, you, you're relying on discipline, you're relying on willpower. And those things will get you a certain distance, but you won't sustain it. Yeah. So, no, I hear you. And I suppose in many ways that's allowed you to be able to take, you know, you talk about sacrifice and stuff like that, but it's 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 not sacrifice if it's actually helping you feel better and be better. And that's I'm assuming what you do when you when you work with teams. Yeah, I think quite often you see this kind of, oh, I'll we'll have to give something up or I'll have to be less, you know, to be part of a team, I've got to sacrifice some individuality and no no why, why would you think that mm. why would you think that you may have to um be contextual so you know there's a time when not to talk about your love of board gaming all the time there's a time when not to talk about how much you love love island all the time mm. but actually if those things are important to you don't ignore them don't leave mm. it behind Likewise, you don't have to become a fan of board games to get on with somebody. Knowing that they love it, asking them about it, talking to them about it, listening to them about it is often just enough. You can still love football and they love geeky stuff, but you can find a way, you can find out why you enjoy those things, what, what it means to you to share a board game with your kid, to go to a football game with your kid. Oh, all of a sudden you discovered a point of commonality. And I think there's this kind of concept of either making making everybody the same in a team, well, I'm gonna have to become a robot and think like that and act like that. Even if thinking like that is not necessary, you know, it's a positive. So you've got to be driven and ambitious and every single day of the year, every single day, every minute of the day, you've got to be, you know, trying to help our customers and all this kind of stuff. You can be like that some of the time, but there are also days where, listen, to, listen guys, I don't feel it today. Whatever's going on at home or, something else or whatever. I just don't feel it today. Don't worry, got your back. Yeah. That's a team where you kind of, you ebb and flow together. You respect each other's individuality, that being an individual is a brilliant, amazing, beautiful thing, but you share a spirit. Mm. And that is because you've come together for a reason, this common goal, the point of work to make widgets, to improve people's brands, to help this charity, um, save lives whatever it is that's brought you together it's all three of those things the individual the shared spirit and the common goal that's a team otherwise you're just a group of people who get together occasionally yeah need those three things not just one of them you need all three of those 
Okay. You've you've taught me something there. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I didn't know that. I think for me, I was I was thought that I suppose maybe it's because of my background in in building a brand. It was my mentality was that if everyone kind of knew what the brand what the mission was you know where the company was going the vision that sort of stuff a change that they seek to make and everyone was kind of on board with that um that that was the the core thing that helped to bring teams and tribes together but clearly there's two more it's it's important that that is definitely important and it's usually where most people start but if Mm. you think about it there's an element of expectation to that this is what we're here for and this is the way we're going to do it if you start the other way around and kind of why are you here what is it that's going on with you what, what right here right now why are you doing this job nobody ever asked that question mm. hey danielle why are you doing why are you here today doing this job um well i don't know because i need the money to feed the kids <laughs> and everything it's usually the first thing that comes up but yeah. that there's something else and once you start to understand that listen to that okay so we've got lots of things in common here how can we use that to meet the mission, to meet the purpose we're here for? How can we adapt that to meet that purpose and work at it from the inside out? And then you've actually got the buy-in before you get there. You don't have to get through the resistance that you get so often with, right, these are our company values. Mm. What do you think? Well, of course we'll be honest. Why wouldn't we be honest? Why does a company value of honesty have to exist? Are you saying that there are companies out there that intentionally, oh, hang on a second, no, you're right, there are companies. But they wouldn't say that. No. So once you can start to get that buy-in, that kind of individual purpose, that shared team purpose, and then they'll buy into your mission purpose. And then if it doesn't align, then you know, actually, we've either got to find a way to close that gap together or turns out something's not right there. Either the mission Mm. isn't right, Mm. we, we need to shift that, or the people we've hired, the team we've hired, is no longer right for this mission because missions change over time. Yeah. You'll, you'll know that with the brand stuff. Yeah, right? absolutely. Brands, and... The kind of aim that somebody had in 1995 <laughs> should not be the same in 2022, let alone cannot no, be the same. No. So these things, it's okay for you to go, actually, you know what? This no longer fits. Either the mission no longer fits the team or the team no longer fits the mission. Mm. Likewise, it's okay when an individual no longer fits the team for the right reasons. It's interesting. I, I think back to one of the best teams I ever worked with. Um, and you'll know, um, you'll know one of the main men within that team. <laughs> I'm probably having coffee with him on Friday afternoon. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that team, what was interesting is when I look back, the team was so diverse and so different. Like you had people that were like, super detailed really organized really analytical and then you know to the complete opposite where people were super creative you know really kind of um spontaneous and you know loud and 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 you kind of from initially you look at the team and you think how how is this going to work because people are so so different but actually those differences and those um you know qualities really helped it helped everyone it helped everyone kind of bounce off each other and um play to each other's strengths and and it was by far one of the best teams 
I've worked with, but but in I'll just say his name. Where's bringing that team together? You know, I remember him telling me that he he brought certain types of people in with particular personality straight traits. You know, he did that on purpose because he understood what it took to kind of build a team that that would work and bounce off each other. I love how whenever I talk to anybody, and you've just brilliant example there, the best team I've ever worked with, I felt like I was helped. I was helping them, the diversity, the way we bounced off each other. It's all emotion. Yet every single job advert just about still leads with competitive salary, yeah. 20 days holiday, flexible working, still leads with those things. They might throw in a word like diverse and innovative and creative, but it's just thrown in. Mm. And actually that's not why we think that. We think people want the logical stuff. And it's not that it's not important. It's just that it's not the most important. When you think about your best or your worst job, it's always emotion that comes up. Oh, the way completely. I felt in that team. Yeah. Not, oh, I got to work on the, I got to work on version 7.2 of Excel, <laughs> which was in the job description. I, you know, I got to use Microsoft Word, which is in every job description. Mm. Nobody thinks of the specific tasks or responsibilities or the rewards. They do come up occasionally, but they come up third, fourth, fifth, tenth down the line. What comes up first is how I felt. And that's why going back to that point about mission and stuff, even within the mission and values, you've got to connect with people about how they feel, not just, we said we're going to be honest, so here's the logical path to be honest. We said we're going to be innovative, here's the logical steps we follow to be innovative. It doesn't work that way. No. It's all about emotion. And that's why starting with the individual, what is it that's, uh, you don't have to get deep in the first pass, you don't have to get down to the root of everything that's going on, but start to dig a bit into why and not just i know it sounds like a cliche you know simon cynic and all that kind of stuff know your why it is important mm. but more important is why does that why matter i guess you do this with branding you kind of hit that yeah so why do you want to do this oh i want to help people okay why do you want to help people oh because that's a nice thing to do mm. i hear it a lot with kind of my clients when looking at business owners like okay so what's your why how are my kids my kids I'm doing this for my kids why are you doing it for your kids and they have that split second of hesitation of well because it's the right thing to do isn't it why, why are you challenging that <laughs> oh, of course it's the right thing to be successful for my kids and then for, but for some that's to be the role model their parent never was for others it's to have time with them before they leave and go to uni university or whatever for others yeah. it's um I never had that as a, you know, being present as a parent. I never had, and I, I want that. For others, it's, I want to leave a legacy so that they're not struggling like I did when my parents passed on or whatever. And it's, it's, it's subtle and it's personal, but you've got to get into that why it matters over time. Once you get into that, you can, the team will start to respect that and respond better. And then you can start to align it to your mission and your values. Again, mm. sorry to get into those three things. No, that's no. That's why those three things thread together. They're connected. And that's mm. why it's kind of, I'm trying to remember what your question was now. But well, I think we were just talking about about teams and, and like, you, you know, you mentioned job descriptions and the fact that it's always the, emotion. it's never the emotional stuff, is it? It's always the, okay, this is how many days holiday you'll have. Um, 
the salary, well, I, I say that. Sometimes the salary isn't even on there. should be. Yeah, but competitive hey, salary. Yeah. That, it's that competitive. They're not even going to tell you what it is. <laughs> like, why, I don't understand why. Why do people do that? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, what do you think is the biggest kind of misconception people have that business owners have when they are trying to build a team? that it's all on them. So this kind of misconception that we've got, we've, we've idolized the idea of a leader. A leader has become this thing to bow down to, to I've got the weight of the world, the, the whole business, the organization, I will shoulder that, I will be responsible, I will be accountable. And as a leader, I will fall on my sword or whatever. And actually, why? Why does this one person have to be fully responsible for the well-being of everything mm. we kind of decided that's the way it is but actually the skill they're using leadership is actually a skill that anybody can use and most people do use at some point in time so why don't we find ways to help the team be responsible for each other at different times i've i've, I've worked with teams where it's kind of oh this person you know this person's a nightmare to work with they don't do anything we ask them to, you know, they're, they're not leadership quality, blah, blah, blah. And then you go and talk to them. And outside of work, they run their kids' sports team. They're a yeah. governor on the school board. Mm. They just deploy leadership in other parts of their life. But because they've not been given the job title of team leader or manager or head of this or director, they don't believe they should act in a certain way. And actually, if we kind of, again, broken record, I know, but kind of found a way to move beyond the job titles and said, Who's right here, right now? Who's got the talent, the energy, the wisdom to help lead us right here and right now? And mm. that might be a senior architect in the team. It might be the new recruit who's got a fresh pair of eyes and some energy to do with it. It might be different people at different times. So this kind of miscomprehension that the leader is the answer to everything. And you know, if you look at the stats, something it's around 20, 25% of all the... Um, training and development budget goes on leadership training to leaders, which, so they make up depending on, you know, it's really hard with hierarchies the way they are in organizations these days, but somewhere between five and 10% of people get a quarter of the training budget. Yet absence stats are going up. We're spending more money on wellness and well-being than we ever have done because people just aren't enjoying work. People are yeah. struggling from toxicity, confusion, the great resignation. All these things are happening, yet we continue to funnel money into these individuals. And it's not that leadership isn't important. Leadership is. But putting it all on the shoulders of a handful of individuals, that doesn't make sense. Mm. Using an analogy of a play, you know, if you were watching, if you were a director watching a play being rehearsed, and all oh, this is, this needs some help. There's some, some struggle. Some of these are struggling with acting. They don't quite get the meaning of the play. The, the set's a bit of a nightmare. You wouldn't take one of those, they wouldn't take the star out and say, right, we're going to send you on this Shakespearean course with Patrick yeah. Stewart and you're going to learn how to act and stage direct and do everything. And then you can come back and help everybody else. Mm. Everybody else, A, would be sat there going, well, why are they getting all this? Yeah. We're actually sat here doing the acting and we know, I know my lines, they don't know my lines. And this poor person's then got to come back and understand all these different disciplines, all these different roles and perspectives. 
no you wouldn't do that you would you might do some specific training for that role they're doing and likewise for the other some discipline training so programming or communication or whatever but actually there are certain skills that every member of the team can benefit from not everybody wants to stand up and be the leader at certain times but there are also people that go oh, i don't mind influencing the way this is going i just don't want to stand up in front of slides and a room full of 200 people but i'm happy to talk to all the architects and have one-on-one -on -one conversations or get a few of them together to steer this yeah that's fine that's leadership yeah. Mm. so yeah this kind of cultural conditioning where we you know we're still stuck in this kind of i don't know whether it's from centuries ago with kind of military setups and monarchies and the industrial revolution and all this kind of stuff but we idolize leaders what we need to start mm. doing is respecting leadership okay make that available to as many people as possible no, I hear you. And speaking of speaking of leadership, then um, and respecting it, who who would you say have been you see as you know some of the most influential um, leaders? You know, people that have inspired you. Um, so. Do you, want, do you want real life people or, or made up people? Because I'm a big geek. So I take a lot of my inspiration from uh, comic books or Star Wars. Um, but I can probably give you a couple of examples from both. Um, there's kind of, so in real life, um, Bear Grylls is a great example. He's not one that comes up very often in the business mm. world because you tend to get the more classic business owners who are, you know, the Steve Jobs, all those kind of things. But actually Bear Grylls is quite a quiet person. He's got multiple successful businesses. He does a lot of work with charities. Whenever you see him, he's working with a team of people, um, whether that's the crew, whether that's um, the people he's working with in terms of a challenge or whatever, but he's there bringing them along. And actually from a business perspective, he just quietly gets on with it. Yeah, he, he recognises his strength, but you don't hear him. So he doesn't stand up in front of thousands of people. He does the odd bit of speaking. But he rarely talks about business success. He just talks about motivation or inspiration or personal growth, that kind of stuff. But he's really successful. But he doesn't talk about it as a lead, as I'm the leader. He just, this is what I've done. This is what everybody else has done. So it's that kind of environment where he's kind of just got on with, I know what I'm good at. And I've surrounded myself with people who are good at what they're good at. And together we get on with it. Another really niche example is um, a guy called Floyd Lee. Um, who's an American, um, and he took a, like a boxer. He well, he took a <laughs> he took a restaurant. Let's call it a restaurant for now. He took a restaurant mm. that was struggling. That got in deliveries, made one meal a day for the people that came in. Just one one choice, made one meal a day, and he decided that wasn't what he wanted. That wasn't good enough, and he turned it around and he started introducing the types of things you would see in a quality restaurant, a, a Michelin star type restaurant. Now, this restaurant wasn't a restaurant. It was a mess hall in Iraq um, that the U.S. Army ran. He was a soldier. Um, wow. He went into this mess hall and went, talked to the team. They were like, ladling food, ladling food, bang. Yeah. Because the whole job description of a mess hall team member was to serve food to the soldiers so that the soldiers could get back out on patrol as quickly as possible to give them fuel. And he went, I don't want to serve food with a ladle. I want to improve the morale of the, the soldiers. So he started, him and his team started doing things like any of the grapes that were rubbish or any of the fruit that was rubbish would go into a pie. 
the rest of the fruit would go into fruit cocktails. They started marinating the meat the night before mm. in local spices that they got hold of. They started, um, eventually their cakes got described as sensual. American cakes in a mess bowl, <laughs> US Army mess bowl, <laughs> described as sensual. They put tablecloths on the tables. They changed the lights from these hard fluorescent lights to soft lights. They put pictures up on the wall of their favorite, of the soldiers' favorite sports teams. They didn't have to do any of that. They still did. Stop taking, took deliveries, prepared the foods, reduced wastes. They did all the things that were in the job description, but they decided that the spirit of their job was to improve morale, not to serve food. That was just the task they had to do. The way they did it, they came together. And his, the team, the team in um, Pegasus Mess Hall, it's called, came together for a team meeting, I'm doing air quotes, before every serving. So three times a day, their team came together to discuss stuff, to have conversations, to have a laugh, to work out what needed to be done, to overcome any challenges, three times a day in a war zone <laughs> in the desert. And I hear from teams going, oh, we can't, once a month is a challenge for us. This is a team in a war zone, in a desert, that found the space to get together three times a day. That's incredible. So they recognise that team spirit, finding the commonalities, that the reason they want to work together was the key. And this mess hall is legendary. It started, it started to become the blueprint for other mess halls in the army. Not all are successful because, oh, we'll take this and we'll copy it. But the people aren't involved. It's, again, it's coming at it from mission first rather mm -hmm. than people first. So it's worked in some areas, but not everywhere because, well, we're not doing that. Why should I bother to, I'm here to serve food, not here yeah. to improve morale. Yeah. So th that's a great example of team spirit creating a you know, different feeling for the people that work there and a different feeling for the people that eat there. So that's uh, Bear Grylls and... Floyd Lee. Well, Floyd, Floyd Lee and his mess hall team. Um, Floyd Lee's an amazing... Very hard to find out lots of information because it's the US Army, so yeah. there's so much you can find out, but it's a great example. Um, if you want a geeky one, then, I mean, Han Solo, you can't get any further than Han Solo. He's got his own beliefs. He's got his own desire to kind of stay flexible, to stay free, but he knows that he needs to step up. He knows there's a bigger cause than him. He knows that doing his thing in the rebellion will help others. Yes, he knows he's got to pay off Jabba the Hutt at some point. <laughs> Um, but he kind of gets on with it. He, he whinges a bit, sarcastic about it, but he doesn't let that stop him. He's still him. Mm. He hasn't changed who he is. He's still this grizzled, grumpy um, smuggler, but he joins in. He does what needs to be done. He helps others do it. He helps Luke and Leia in the rebellion. He joins in. He doesn't change his core personality to join the rebellion and suddenly become the flag bearer. He's still him. Yeah. He leads. He shows leadership when it's needed. So, yeah, another small example. Thanks for that. Amazing stories. Um, I was just wondering if if there was a a new job that you could do, would it, you know, if you could change professions, would, do you think you'd still be doing, because, you know, we talked at the start about your daughter and the fact that she's a really good, uh, really good at solving problems. So, actually... There's lots of different kind of, um, not just jobs that she can do, but industries that she can kind of move into. Um, do you feel like it's the same for yourself? More so now, you know, I've got my own blind spots and conditioning that I'm constantly becoming aware of and challenging and thinking about. So there aren't you know, 
I'm at that age, I'm making it sound like I'm really old. I'm not, I'm mid forties, but that comes with a certain amount of baggage in terms of, well, there's not that much to, you know, halfway, let's say I'm halfway through mm. how much energy and effort you want to put into things, but there's still, you know, I would love to dive deep into, I've spent a lot of time studying psychology and that kind of stuff. I'd love to dig deep into that. Neuroscience is a cutting edge field. So being able to spend time in that and maybe taking some more time to dig into research and science stuff, um, doing experiments, spending time in that kind of space. I could see me doing that for a couple of years, but it would still be, I would still need something that was engaging with people and seeing it make a difference. I'm not, so coming from the IT world, I'm a bit of an agile nut. So the concept of small and often is built into my DNA. I'm not somebody who's about big bang and oh my God, we'll change the world with this. I know that doesn't really happen. It's about those small iterative, just that step by step moment. And then you turn around and go, oh, wow, look how far we've gone. Getting that 1% better each day, right? Yeah, that slight edge, 1%, whatever that kind of concept you want to use. I like the agile concept of that kind of iterative, reflective. We know things are going to change, so I might as well do something for a small period, take a breath, see if it's still valuable, see if it's still important, gather a bit of insight from others, etc. Um, so there will always be that will always be threaded through um, but I'd love to go deep into that stuff I will go deep into that stuff I mean if if galactic rebel smuggler ever comes up I know obviously <laughs> if there's a spaceship available I'm in um, but I can't see myself deviating too much I actually spent the morning with um, a chap who's runs an IT business and there are moments I get this kind of oh, I do miss a bit of the tech stuff and maybe getting back into that space and I like that as a medium through which to help people grow so just tech is so important in people's lives these days actually it's a good way into how people act how people behave so maybe there's something in that space so I know that's not answering your question with I'd love to be a postman (laughs) I'm open to I think since leaving the corporate world and realizing Actually, it wasn't the job title that defined me. It wasn't, I loved, still great friends with so many people that I worked with for, et cetera. But there was a period of time where I was, I thought I was dependent upon them to be successful. Uh, it's, it's my, you know, I would always say, it's not me, it's my team. And I would give them all the credit. And actually mm. they deserve a lot of the credit. They did their own thing in their own way and they should take their own credit. But I underestimated, you know what? I'm all right at some of this stuff and I can, I can be good at it in a different way with a diff on my own or with a different group of people or a different team. So I know I've now got more confidence in being able to do what I want. And it's that bit, it's figuring out what do I want. Mm. And now that's what you're doing for others. And now, yeah, helping others, helping others kind of not just do what they want, but in enjoy it. There is a subtle difference there. Yeah. You speak to a lot of people going, yeah, I'm doing what I want. So why aren't you smiling as much as you should be then? Oh, it's hard work, isn't it? Interesting. Mm. And it's not that it shouldn't be work. It shouldn't take effort. It shouldn't take energy. But when it feels overwhelmingly hard, that's the time to go, hang on a second. What is going on here? There's nothing wrong. You know, I talk about the old days as though the 70, 80 hour weeks were bad. But there's nothing wrong if you choose. You know what? Actually, there's something going on. There's a piece of work I'm doing. I'm working with a client and I, 
I want to put in a bit of extra time to make it perfect or brilliant or amazing for them, or I've just thought of something and I want to do that, that's fine. When it becomes, I need to do that consistently, then there's a problem there. So it's that kind of, you know, I probably still work those types of hours, but I work it in a very different pattern. And I have the ability to flex it around, picking the kids up, spending time with uh, my wife, all those kind of things. We can move it around that. And that, Doing your yoga. Are you still doing, doing your yoga? yoga? Yeah, yeah, every morning, at least five days a week. Um, get up. I did, the, I did the download that app. Down dog app. Yeah, I did download it. I've, um, I've become very inconsistent on it. Uh, I need to pick it up again. I can recommend it. I know I've seen um, some stuff on LinkedIn of you lifting weights. I know you discovered <laughs> that. And it's, I haven't worked out whether it's beneficial to that because I certainly noticed certain muscles tightening up through the weightlifting and then it's me trying to stretch them out through the yoga. Like, yeah, well, that's perfect. It's a contradiction. But it's good for, I mean, I used to be able to do the plow yoga, but I've noticed because I put more effort into the weightlifting, those muscles are tightening up. Um, but it helps. You know, it's, yoga for me is my meditation. It's, my, it's, it's selfish. It's just me, 20, 30 minutes on the mat, just breathing when I, you know, my mind wanders, it's easier for me to bring it back in. That's my meditation. It's my selfish moment. Um, doesn't matter whether it makes me fitter. It's good that it does and it makes you know, more flexible, etc. It's good for the joints, but that's not important. It's just become sacred for one of better expression. Yeah. My time. No, it's good. And it's important. Very important. Um, so you said you listen to podcasts sometimes when you're doing your, your yoga or your odd run. Um, what podcasts are you listening to at the moment? Uh, what podcasts? So, um, there's this one called Bill Brett of Brands. That's all right. <laughs> that okay. Um, there's a couple of leadership ones. I'm terrible. I can tell you the hosts. Um, so there's the leadership mindset by Tony Brooks. That's a good one. Okay. And like that tony doesn't talk he, he talks about leadership in a similar way that i talk about it. it's a set of skills and how to develop those yeah. skills um the one i um yeah i mentioned running earlier um the one i um my my my, my dad wrote a porno is an excellent podcast and everybody <laughs> should read it because it's incredibly funny everybody should listen to it it's incredibly funny you won't it's ironically it's about it's a business podcast as well because this, this bloke wrote these books. You can okay. tell what type of books they are based on the yeah. title. But also, they're, also, <laughs> they're also to share my business experience. And they're, well, if you take any business leadership <laughs> knowledge from it at all, you'll be I was wondering bit. why you were smiling when, you're, when you got to telling me about the next podcast. I was wondering. It's very clear now. <laughs> and it's, it's, to be honest, it's the only way I'll go running. I have to, I won't listen to the next episode unless I'm running. I've convinced, but that's my reward okay. for running is to listen to, um, uh, to that. Um, nice. Human-Centred Leadership is a great one by Cole Mahay. Um, that's a great podcast that looks at leadership, looks at people first stuff. Mm. And what I love about Cole's podcast is he doesn't talk to the normal, hey, here's a CEO of this, here's a director of that. He mm. talks to cliche but he talks to real people um at all different levels that have been either you know he, he talks he, he's got a background in the police but he talks to people who are in senior positions but not the most senior positions yeah. so yeah. you kind of get you still get that kind of grassroots feel um, from a lot of the conversations um amazing so those kind of things and i'm a i'm a 
some of the fitness. I'm a huge Joan Wicks fan. I won't have a bad word said against about him. I think <laughs> just as a kind of just decent human being trying to do the right thing. Yeah, um, I'm a big Joe Wicks fan. He's pretty he's cool. awesome, and, he, and he's, he doesn't do them consistently, but I do like some of his podcasts. And it's as close as I'll get to kind of listening to celebrities talk about yeah. stuff because obviously that's who he tends to talk to. Yes, you um, never know. One day, maybe I'll get him on. Who knows? Go for it. Why would he say no? <laughs> Why would he say no? He's certainly building a brand. He's a great yeah. example of somebody who's stuck to, who's kept his core personality consistent through it is open is honest and you you know you buy into joe as much as you buy into his cookbook or whatever yeah totally totally so colin where can people find you if they want to connect with you so there's my website colinmoby.com m-o-b-e-y.com um which is there but if i'm honest the place where i hang out the most and where i have the most conversations and i post a lot of content is linkedin so if you just search for me on LinkedIn, there's loads of stuff there. Do lots of lives, um, videos, lots of, I like writing and sharing this stuff and lots of good conversations. So yeah, LinkedIn is a good place to find me. I'll always be hanging out there. Okay, amazing. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. And yeah, um, if you if and when you decide to have a podcast, hopefully I can return the favour. Um, have you... Is it is it is it still in the pipeline? Is it? It's it's in the pipeline, yeah. Yeah. A couple of things have trumped it. Um, that being flexible thing. I okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I keep saying Q two. So if I say it now, I've just said it to people that are going to hear it, haven't I? Haven't I? Said yeah. It? Well, it's Happily you said Q2. it now. So Q two of twenty twenty. Twenty twenty two. Amazing. Thanks a lot, Colin. Thanks, Daniel.